Let's turn to 1190 in your pew Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy today, chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. The title of the message is, A Father's Exhortation to Endure. And in this passage, we see a father's exhortation to a son in the faith. Paul encourages Timothy to fulfill his calling by revitalizing the gift that God has given him. I'm going to ask now that you silence your cell phones, if you have not already, before we read our text. Let's read our text, 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 to 10. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to the light of the gospel. I was about 13 years old when I started to get real serious about baseball. Now, I had some ability, I had some God-given ability. But at 13, I made a commitment. I had high school in mind, and I was really going to practice and cultivate whatever abilities I had. I was a decent ball player. But at 13, you know how 13-year-olds can be. One day you want to be a major leaguer, the next day you want to be an astronaut, and so on and so forth, and that's the way it was. Sometimes it's hard for a 13-year-old to follow through on things, but something very interesting happened to me that season. While I was in this process of development, something life-changing, really heavy burdened me. I got into a batting slump. Yeah, believe it or not. And... I was probably overthinking things, looking back at it now. I mean, I changed my batting stance every day. I don't know if anybody remembers Lou Pinella, right? I would get the Lou Pinella stance. Then I would go to Joe Morgan. I was like a right-handed Joe Morgan. I would try all these different things. But in any event, I started to lose focus, and I did become discouraged, believe it or not. I started to lose interest, and I even second-guessed myself. But someone would get involved in my life. Someone would come to my rescue. And that would be my earthly father. And I remember he took me to the batting cage one day and uh, he exhorted me while we were there, stay committed, stay focused. Remember the commitment that you made. 
And he also gave me some really good instruction, and he did encourage me quite a bit. He exhorted me that day. And an exhortation is something that's very important. With exhortation comes instruction, comes encouragement. It's urging someone to do something, to persuade someone, to inspire, to encourage in life situations, whatever the task may be. And it's important that fathers do exhort their children. We see that very much in Proverbs, the early portions of it. Certainly, this is the case when it comes to spiritual matters. We in Christ need exhortation, biblical exhortation. And today we examine a father's exhortation to his son in the faith. The apostle Paul is the father and Timothy is his son. Now, brethren, God has called us all here to various tasks. Some of you are aware to what he's called you to be, to do for him. Some of you are discovering. Some of you have embraced it already, and some of you wrestle with it. But one of the mistakes we can make is that if God calls us to something, that it will be very easy all the time. No, it can be very difficult at times, and the Christian life certainly has its fair share of difficulties. We understand that. But God who calls you does equip you, and God knows what he's doing, and he gives you gifts. And we examine this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. We see the gifts that he gives in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11. We also see in Ephesians 11, one of the giftings is the gifting of pastor-teacher. Now this was a gift that Paul would have, and Paul would wear many hats as we well know. Certainly as apostles we see here. But there would be one who would follow in Paul's footsteps in the role of pastor teacher. And that would be his son in the faith, Timothy. Now, we look at this relationship briefly. Timothy may have been converted through Paul's ministry on his first missionary journey. We see that in Acts 14.6. Now, Paul would mentor Timothy on these mission uh, trips. And Timothy was active in the missions. Timothy was faithful. As Timothy joined Paul and Silas, we see that in Acts 14, 19 and 20, and Acts 16, 4. Paul would be instrumental in Timothy's life. And Timothy would become Paul's trusted assistant and a co-laborer. And Timothy would go on to pastor the church in Ephesus. Now, becoming a pastor is one of the most rewarding jobs you can have It's certainly one of the most difficult as well, if not the most difficult job. And the difficulties of the job became very apparent to Timothy when he was pastoring the church in Ephesus. And one of the primary problems he was encountering was false teachers. Now, Timothy's duties of pastoring and taking this church over. When you're a pastor, there is emotional and mental wear and tear. And certainly it's a a wear and tear and it could be a discouragement and a frustration that causes one to draw back. And whatever your calling is, you could be discouraged here in the body of Christ. And you could often fail to pursue the task given you with the fervency, with the diligence required, and also with the faith that God has given to you. When the task gets difficult as well, you can second-guess yourself. And 
when that happens, you may very well compromise your calling. And as a result, you become stagnant. You're saved. You're born again. But you can become stagnant in the body of Christ. We often need people to encourage us. We often need people to exhort us. And one such person we are going to see today is the Apostle Paul. Now in 2 Timothy, this entire chapter, there's numerous words of encouragement. But we must understand that Timothy here is a faithful young man in Christ. He is faithful. He's of upright character. And even the most faithful and upright need encouragement. It happens. So we look at Acts 16, that Timothy was well spoken of. Acts 16, too, by brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. And he was spoken well, and Paul wanted him initially to accompany him. So he was faithful, honorable, and he would become Paul's right-hand man. And he was so faithful and honorable that Paul would put him in difficult situations. No hesitation in sending Timothy when there was persecutions in Thessalonica. He'd send Timothy. Paul wrote in Philippians 2.20, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So this is a solid brother in Christ. But it appears in this text that Timothy now has gone through a, a season where the intensity needed to fulfill this God-ordained calling is lacking. And he needs reminding. He needs motivation. He needs this exhortation to endure. To kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. Carry on the task that God has given you. Be revitalized. Timothy, be refreshed. Let's get into our text. Verses 1 and 2. We see the Father's greeting to the Son. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son. Grace, mercy, peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, Paul is an apostle by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Jesus Christ. Timothy's father in the faith is handpicked. He's an apostle. One who is commissioned of Christ. And, and, and Paul was an ambassador of this message, Christ's gospel. Just as the claim can be made for all of Paul's letters, by the will of God, the promise of life that is in Christ, what kind of life? The eternal life in Jesus Christ. Paul's central message in all of his ministry endeavors would be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That man could be reconciled to God and man needs to be reconciled of God. Paul understood this, Timothy understood this, and we too must understand this as well. Now one who's given the authority as an apostle. We see the authority, we understood the church's devotion to the apostles' teaching in Acts 2.42. But most importantly, the authority that Paul has that he is going to, to transmit to Timothy comes from God. Paul's authority came from the same source of the message, the gospel. We see in Galatians 1, 11 to 12. For I would have you to know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. 
So this is a man with authority by the will of God's calling. And he's occupying the office here. He was a pastor as well. And we must understand what Timothy is getting into here. One of the duties of a pastor we see in Titus 1.9 is to be able to exhort in sound doctrine, but also refute those who would contradict it. And Paul would do this quite often by necessity. And Timothy is dealing now with these false teachers. But Timothy's father's ministry is now coming to an end as Paul will pass this baton on to him. And there will be others who would be affected as well. And Timothy now has this high calling. We see in 2 Timothy 2, 1-3, Paul tells Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... Entrust them to these faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Now Paul certainly did not just talk the talk, but we know that he walked the walk and he would indeed suffer hardship. He was considered an ambassador for Christ in chains. Ephesians 6.20, he was imprisoned and beaten, Acts 16.22. We could say that Paul had paid his dues. But Paul was faithful to the end in the work that God called him to do, and Paul would finish the race strong. Now we see in verse 2 that this greeting is exactly like 1 Timothy, to my, addressed to Timothy, to my beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He adds the word mercy. But he adds Timothy in 2 Timothy. This is his beloved son. And Paul was very vested in Timothy's life. This would be Paul's final greeting. It would be Paul's final letter. It would be Paul's swan song as he would now pass this baton. And we see in verses 3... To five, we see that the father is now going to remember his son. But first, he recalls. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. Now back in 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12, he thanked the Lord. He thanked the Lord who strengthened him and considered him faithful, putting him into service. Apostle Paul, to the end, was grateful to God for the work that God had given him to do. He thanks God to whom he serves with a clear conscience as his forefathers did, more than likely a reference to Abraham, Isaac, and and Jacob, and maybe even Benjamin, as they were faithful. And Paul remembers his son as he continues in verse 3, As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. Longing to see Timothy. This is a deep bond that existed between both of them. But here is a parenthetical note. Paul understood the importance of prayer as well. And we often overlook Paul, the intercessor. And it's very important, the mission, the intercessory ministry of prayer. For Timothy to succeed in this fashion, he understood, Paul, that he would have to pray for Timothy. Remembering his son and longing to see him. The phrase recalling your tears 
more than likely is, is a reference to the departure that they had already prior to Paul's arrest. And seeing Timothy would be filled with, cause Paul to be filled with joy. Because Paul knew his days were numbered and he wanted to see him. But he also wanted to exhort him. Now there is a bond that develops. They have this bond. When you are a soldier in the trenches serving God together. And he said, we looked at suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ. And Paul will tell Timothy, my son, press on. And in verse 5, he writes the letter in verse 5 saying this, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Sincere faith, real faith, God-given faith, a genuine faith. It's a sincere faith. Timothy was taught the scriptures at a very young age by Lois and Eunice. 2 Timothy 3.15, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which comes in Christ Jesus. Now, while Timothy could not be saved by the faith of Lois and Eunice, and no one can, no children, you cannot be saved by the faith of your parents. We can draw conclusions that the way they raised Timothy was very profitable. We see a principle in Proverbs 22, 6. Although not an absolute promise, but a good principle and should be practiced. Train up your children in the way they should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. New King James. Timothy was taught... The scriptures as a child. And I, I remember last summer, our granddaughter, Estelle, she just came back from VBS. She was four years old at the time. And she was so eager to show me everything that she had learned. Everything she had learned. The way she memorized, there was choreography and singing. And I was astounded at how she memorized all these songs. But what really amazed me is the content that was in these songs. That was what re was remarkable. These theologically rich songs that had been deposited in her at a young age. Teach your children. Teach your children, brethren. Deuteronomy 6, 7, 11, 19. We ought to teach our children first. Because the seeds that were planted in Timothy developed real faith. And I pray that would be the case for Estelle as well. So we see an issue occur. In verses 6 and 7, there is now a problem. It's as if Paul is saying, I know you have faith, Timothy. You are the real deal, Timothy. But your faith is not operating to the capacity required. I know this by the authority given me as an apostle, as a messenger in Christ Jesus. I know this by the one who laid hands upon you. All the times I worked side by side with you. Now, Paul did not give Timothy the gift that came from God, but Paul was instrumental as a mentor and a father, and he was used mightily. So we see in verses 6 to 10, we see the father's reminder to the son. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying 
of my hands. You have God's calling upon your life, Timothy. Pursue. Rekindle the fire. Do what you need to do. You need something at this time, Timothy. I know you've been faithful. You've been honorable. But right now, you're in that place where you are not walking. You are not strong enough to fulfill this calling. He needs encouragement. And now there is a time, brethren, for rebuke, for encouragement in the Scriptures. And Paul would do all the above, but Paul was frequent with the encouragement. Even Paul needed encouragement. He got encouragement from the Corinthians while he was facing hardship. 2 Corinthians 7.4 Now we should remember the most faithful of saints need encouragement. Once again, I say that. And the encouragement is coming from a father in the faith. But brethren ought to be encouraging one another too. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another. Build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Now throughout the Bible you will see this instruction to encourage one another. Now let's look at this, what we see here in verse 6. To kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. Fan into flames the gift, some translation would say. Keep ablaze the gift. Stir up the gift. Rekindle the gift. Resuscitate the gift, Timothy. Refresh the gift. Continue in your calling. Rekindle rekindle the flame, Timothy. The flame is getting dim. Last summer as well, my son-in-law Sammy has a, a fire pit in his backyard. And he often would light fires and... I watched him, how he's doing it. He's got all his wood. And we all know with a fire pit, you need fuel for the fire. If you do not put fuel in the fire, sooner or later the fire tends to dim. And then eventually it'll go out. You need to fuel the fire, Timothy. There is a lack of fuel. But what is this gift? Well, Paul does not explain exactly what the gift is. But more than likely, it's the scenario of pastor-teacher. Now, the laying on of my hands more than likely refers to Timothy's ordination in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, where it says there, Don't neglect, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Paul reminds Timothy that he is a steward. He is to be a steward of the gift in him. The gospel, 2 Timothy 4.2. Paul writes, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all longsuffering and teaching. Now there are those who believe that this gift is the Holy Spirit uh, enablement for ministry. And that's fine as well. It is the Holy Spirit who does enable for ministry. But I do believe... Timothy's being sent off as a leader, and probably this official send-off that we saw in Acts 13, 1-12, that was similar to Paul and Barnabas. So, whatever the case is, carry on what you've been given. Fulfill the calling. Timothy was faithful, but now he's fallen into a season, as we're going to see, where he is fearful. And maybe that's you today. Maybe there's some discouragement. 
Maybe there's some anxiety, there's some fear. We can consider today an opportunity to address that and carry on with the task that God has given you. You may need to be refreshed. You may need to be revitalized. But how does the fire get dim? Well, complacency, not adding the fuel, as we said. Maybe it's the cares of this world. The past two years, there's been a lot of distractions. And whatever task God has called you to do, maybe that's not priority for you right now. Maybe it's laziness. Laziness can make the fire dim. Maybe it's sin for that matter. Depend on the Holy Spirit. As we submit to the Holy Spirit, we grow in self-control in all areas of our life. Now, I want to show you something in verse 7. You need the Spirit's work to fulfill the calling. It is not a question of Timothy, get with it, pull up your bootstraps, and press on. That's part of it. But you will not fulfill God's calling in your own strength. So let's look at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. Now again, in your weakness, call upon God. Now let's look at this phrase. This fear is not of the Holy Spirit. God has not given you a spirit of fear. The fear called here, the anxiety Timothy's dealing with, is not of the Holy Spirit. This fear is prohibiting Timothy from finishing what he's supposed to be doing. It's prohibiting him from going forward in the Lord. And Paul understands the challenges that Timothy is facing. Paul understood what it was like to be tested. And I do believe Timothy is being tested at this time. It's as if Timothy started well, but now he's fading a little bit. He needs some resuscitation. And there's no reason to think that any task God calls you to again, there will not be difficulty in it. Get ready, it will be difficult. Paul exhorts Timothy to boldness and faithfulness. And we ought to do the same one to another. Now the father will also remind the son of what is not of the Lord and what is of the Lord. Now let's see what we have here. But God has not given you the spirit of timidity, which is basically fear. And in many cases, the word can be translation is to mean cowardice. That's not of God. But what is of God? Power, love, and in the NASB, discipline, self-control, sound mind. Power, love, and discipline. What kind of power? Just be strong? No, this is Holy Spirit power. Paul would write about this power in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. There is a power that you have that comes from the Holy Spirit. There is love. That comes from the Spirit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. And we can make the last application for discipline as self-control. So for the Christian, Timothy, what are you going to do here? You're going to have strength by submitting. 
Strength comes by submission to the Spirit. And the Spirit is the predominant, should be the predominant influence you know, in our life. So fear is not of the Holy Spirit. But what exactly is Timothy so fearful about? What is this anxiety that he's dealing with now? Well, we know a couple of things from the letter. Maybe Timothy's age may have factored into this, certainly. Being in charge in Ephesus, certainly the, the role of a pastor, and now dealing with this situation with the false teachers. But I think verse 8 sheds some light on what Timoth- what's going on in Timothy's mind. Verse 8, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering. Join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. Timothy would come to realize, like his father, this calling comes with suffering. If Timothy would remain faithful, certainly this would be a difficult task. What kind of suffering are we talking about here? Well, certainly there's persecution. Paul dealt with beatings. Paul dealt with imprisonments. But according to extra-biblical tradition, which is not recorded in the Bible, but Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us that Timothy would die. Timothy would die. He'd be martyred for his faith. A.D. 90, during the reign of Domitian. Now, for us here today, we must understand that we probably will not incur the suffering that Paul and Timothy incurred. But nevertheless, we must come to terms with our calling in Christ. And is the calling a bit more difficult than you had anticipated? Is it more difficult than it was two years ago? Is it more difficult than it was four years ago? We must consider Paul's situation as well. Because Paul would write about his sufferings. Jesus would write about suffering for the sake of the gospel. And understand at this point in his life, Paul is no longer under house arrest. Paul is now spending his days, his last days, in a dungeon. In a maritime prison, marit- maritime prison could have been called a house of darkness, a dark and dirty dungeon. According to Roman historian Sallust, it was dark and had a stench. It was hideous and had a terrifying appearance. On the verge of death, and in the midst of all the suffering, Paul remains faithful. 2 Timothy 2.10 For this reason... I endure all things for those who are elect, for the sake of the elect, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. In in 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason I suffer all things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. That is beautiful. To be in the the state where Paul is and to have this resiliency because he understands who he trusts. He understands 
who he served, and he understands the priority of this ministry, the gospel, in Christ Jesus. And he would die faithful. More importantly, someone else would die to fulfill the call. And we know who that is. Christ Jesus died faithful to the task. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Hebrews 12.2 Brethren, if the gospel is worth dying for, then it's worth living for. So Timothy, fulfill your calling. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of, our, of me, and don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. According to the power of God, verse 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Brethren, this call is greater than us. This is beyond getting drafted into the army and being a soldier for any kind of a country. We are to be soldiers for Christ Jesus. This was not our doing. This is a predestined plan, a calling of God. And Christ is the central theme in Timothy's life and Paul's life. Timothy started strong. Timothy's got to finish strong. And he did, like Paul. And may we as well. And we see the purpose here in verse 10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God spoke at various times in various ways in times past to the forefathers by the prophets. Now in the last days, He's spoken to us, to His Son, Jesus Christ. The last revelation, the only Savior, the last and final sacrifice, mission accomplished through Christ. Timothy, brethren, carry on the mission in Christ. The problem of sin and death has been abolished. The gospel is bigger than me and you. What is the gospel? The power of God. For salvation, for all who will believe. Salvation. Saved from the wrath of God. The good news that the law in the Old Testament could not do. The fulfilling. And if you're here today and you've abided by some religious system, I want to tell you your labor is in vain. If you think by keeping the Ten Commandments, your labor is in vain. You are mistaken. You have not kept the law perfectly. You will not keep the law perfectly. But Jesus Christ did. He kept the law. You do not have what it takes to please God. What pleases God is perfection. Because of this, Christ Jesus not only died, but he kept the whole law for you. I want to read to you Galatians 3, 10 to 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that the one who is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who 
does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree, so that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, may come to all the Gentiles, all the Gentiles, so that they may receive the promised spirit through faith, through genuine, saving faith, through a Timothy-like faith. What a Savior. What a mission accomplished. What a message. The importance of the gospel. While the Lord will call you to different tasks, we all have this responsibility of the gospel. The good news. To communicate it, to live it, to teach it to our children, to proclaim it. But times of discouragement can come when you proclaim the gospel. It can be disheartening and frustrating because so many will reject it. So many have rejected it. There's an increasing hatred of men towards this thing called the gospel. The saving message. There is oppression. There is resistance when you live the gospel. When you are light in a dark world. And it could even be suffering that comes with this calling. And when that happens, we too could have that tendency to draw back. You feel like sometimes you just want to take a vacation. Just give me a day off from, from the faith. I just want to go with the flow. Just let me have peace like everyone else. It's almost as if when you're walking into the ocean and you get that resistance when you're living out the gospel. And difficulties come. Now, this can get to you if you allow it to. But unlike Timothy, we may probably not be martyred from the, for the faith. I'm going to say I don't think that will happen to the vast majority of us in this room. Not to be facetious, but seriously. But many do. Many do. And we pray on Wednesday nights for those, the persecuted church. But you have to understand something. The Lord has his elect and the gospel will hit the target. The gospel will fulfill its purpose. Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In any avenue of life, God is in control. So do not be discouraged living in the world for the task that God has called you to do. Do not be discouraged, but be courageous. Be courageous. Joshua 1.9, as we read this morning, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God will never leave you nor forsake you. Be courageous when you feel cowardly. When that spirit of timidity comes upon you, when fear and anxiety sets in, be courageous and understand you're not alone. You're not alone. I heard Aussie Sproul say something the other day. Jesus would say to his disciples so many times, in some form or another, be not afraid, fear not. It is almost as if that was their greeting, like hello is shalom. He would tell them so often, fear not, be not afraid. We're also called... To say the same thing. Brethren, fear not. 
Be not afraid. We're called to encourage one another. As Christians, what does it mean to encourage one another? Sproul writes, it's helping another person find courage. Encourage one another. What is the indispensable ingredient? I'm taking from Sproul here. Sproul says a necessary condition for courage. What is it? What does it take to have courage? It takes fear. It takes fear to have courage. Because it doesn't take any courage to do something you're not afraid of. When we are to go speak the gospel message, it could be, you could have some anxiety. You could have some fear. When you are to live out this message, again, you could feel that resistance. And you could be discouraged. But no, be encouraged. Is that you? Are you fearful of walking in the calling that the task that the Lord has given you, whatever it is, are you fearful? Have you drawn back? Have you taken a step back and say, you know what, just not right now? We too must be reminded to kindle afresh that fire. Throw wood into that fire pit. Strength comes by submission to the Holy Spirit. And for others, keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning regardless of what we see outside this this building. Keep the fire burning. The message is bigger than me and you. This is a call to endure. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, do. Do it. And I close with an exhortation from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58. And I say this to you. Therefore, my beloved brethren, and you are my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or your labor is not in vain. God knows what he's doing. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks to you, Lord. We give thanks, Lord, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. For what you've called us to, Lord, you've equipped us to do. And Father, it is with great joy that we come before you today, knowing, Lord, that we can be used for your purposes, Lord. We can be used to transmit this message, the saving message, the only message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever shall believe in him will not perish, but they will have eternal life. And this comes through your Son. And we thank you for the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, Maranatha, Lord, come again.